people how you doing it's the ceo spoken keen and yes i want to bring you up to something that i'm really want you to pay attention to um in the future i'm trying to you know get this show to you know do more things and stuff but i cannot have that happen without you so if you would like you can you could go to anchor.fm i have a support page area right there and, you know, you can go ahead and make a subscription, you know, whatever you need to do. But, yes, I, all proceeds will go to the show and, a, and to make the show a better show in the future. So, yes, I'm just asking, you know, hey, if you can give, please give. If you can't, please, all I ask is that you will pray. So, thank you. You have a beautiful, blessed day. And let's get this show going, baby. Welcome to the Tea Corner. Welcome to another episode of the Tea Corner. I'm your host, Mr. CEO, Spoken Keen. And like always, hope you're living it up and living your dreams. And today we have a special guest today. She is an actress. She is a poet. She is an author. Uh, I was on her podcast called Poetic Resurrection. And, you know, she's a wonderful lady, man. And, yo, she knows her poetry, y'all. She knows her poetry. So I'd like to bring in Miss Sonia Iris Lazada right here on the Tea Corner. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hey, welcome to the show. Oh my God, this is so exciting. I love your intro. I was looking at them like, I got to do something like that for my show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. So uh, first of all, what got you inspired to, um, let's talk about your acting first. 
before okay. we get into um, the poetry, because I, I I know about your poetry. And I know you got a whole lot of stuff you want to share with people. But what got you into acting? Well, ever since I was a little kid, I was always acting. You know, I couldn't wait for people mm -hmm. to come over. I thought I wanted to be a dancer when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I would take like my skirt or my dress and I put the hem in my underwear and pretend it was a tutu and start mm -hmm. entertaining in front of people. But what really got me into, because I was, my family is musical. Mm -hmm. I, my mom's side of the family, the musicians and singers and all of this kind of stuff. So I thought that was a path I was going to take mm -hmm. until a friend of mine had a heart attack. And I was in my 20s then, he was in his 40s. And he says, come on over, let me give you free acting lessons. They don't let me out of the house. And so I just need to help, you know, to do something. So can you come over and I'll teach, give you free acting lessons? I go, okay. Yeah. And then from there, I got bit. I started really liking it. He hooked me up with a, um, a, a coach, a trainer that had a class. Because he says, you know, I can't do any more with you. I'm one-on-one. -on -one. You need to go take a class and do scene study. So his name was Ed K. Martin. And I had no idea who he really was. I just really liked him. I interviewed, if he liked you, he brought you into his class. I, yeah. since I didn't have any background yet, he he had a class of people that had, like he said, they, these are my people that have potential, but they don't have really any credits yet. Uh -huh. So he, he took a class with him there and it was only three of us. And then he threw us into his regular class. Uh -huh. And I'm like, there were people that had TV series in that in that class. Uh -huh. uh, Renee Russo was one of my classmates. Uh -huh. um, so it was like, I'm looking at all these people go, that person's on that TV show. And, and I was so intimidated because I had no stage credits except for doing in high school, doing some, um, what do you call it? Improv. Uh -huh. But otherwise I didn't have any credits or anything like that. So it was quite intimidating to see a bunch of working actors in the same class as me. But he was great and I learned a lot from him. I started taking scene studies from other people. And there are many times when you're an actor, you want to quit because you really want to make a living out of something you love. Mm -hmm. But less than 5% of the actors in SAG make a living off of acting. They oh. have to have, I know that's like huge, yeah. less than 5%. Yeah. So you have to have a side gig. And a lot of actors have, you know, they, they, they are coaches or teachers or, you know, they do something else. Me, I wanted to do something very separate from acting to support myself. I didn't want to do more acting. Mm -hmm. So I, I went that way. But I was about to give up. It was like five years later. Mm -hmm. And Ed, Ed calls me up. And he said, don't ever give up. You have out of the blue. He just called me. He says, don't give up. You have a lot of potential. You could do this. Mm -hmm. So I went, okay. You know, and I thought that, I thought that was so nice because I had, I knew he moved to Chicago and I didn't know why he moved to Chicago, but he died the year, the, the week, the following week mm -hmm. because I got notice of his memorial mm -hmm. and I was one of the last people he called. So I'm like, damn you, Ed, now I have to stick to this. You know? But that's how I got it. And I started doing theater because, you know, you do a lot of local theater. You mm -hmm. join theater groups. 
And then you start going out on auditions and how you get started easier as an actor is you go into commercials because you're more open to having people that are uh, not, don't have many credits. They're looking for a look more than anything, you know? So that's how I got my SAG card. I did a, a, some kind of diner commercial, I think Coco's. I don't know if you had Coco's out there. It was a pie shop. I think it was nationwide. Mm -hmm. And then, then I got a McDonald's oh. and uh, that one would have been great if it aired, but it didn't air. I still got paid, but it didn't air because I went uh -huh. ka-ching McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause no anybody, ka -ching. <laughs> yeah, anybody that hears McDonald's would be like this. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, you know what they do? I was told this afterwards. Mm -hmm. They will hire and I don't know if they still do this. This is what the girl told me. But mm -hmm. she said that they hire several advertising agencies to come up with a campaign. And mm -hmm. they pay each of these advertising agencies to come up with a commercial. They mm -hmm. pay for everything. They spend a ton of money. And then they pick the one they like best out of all, the, all of those. Mm -hmm. But, you wow. know, they play wow. McDonald's commercials. I haven't seen a lot of McDonald's commercials lately, but they do. They used to play like constantly routine. Mm -hmm. I've seen some, but not not like they had before. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So that's how I got into acting. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, and that's a remarkable story and stuff. And, yo, that's just awesome. So now what inspired you? to first be a poet? Well, I've always been a poet. I've mm -hmm. been writing literally since I could spell, I've been writing poetry. You know, mm -hmm. it's the usual stuff. I think we just, it's like roses are red, violets are blue. Everything rhymes because you, as a little kid, everything has yeah. to rhyme. Yeah. And, and that's just part of, you know, we read. Everything we read as a little kid rhymes. So we think that that's what poetry is, you know? Yes, uh, and so that's why I've been writing it. And then, you know, through high school, poetry really saved me because I was going through a really difficult time. My parents were separating. I was like the adult in the house because mm -hmm. my mom worked during the days and there was nobody there to get my brother and sister up and everything like mm -hmm. that. So it was a really difficult time. So writing poetry kind of saved my life because... I did contemplate suicide at one point, but then I kept making excuses not to kill myself. <laughs> like I'll throw myself in front of a bus. No, that's really messy. And what if I live? I'll probably be all like paralyzed. And so then, you know, I kept coming up with excuses. Like, oh, I guess I don't really want to die because it's yeah. true. I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a sad thing about people that commit suicide. They commit suicide because they're not living. And that's, yeah. you know, but, you thing. know, we also have to adjust our perceptions of how we see that, you oh, know. Yeah. Uh, I thought, oh, if I'm not going to be a singer, I'm just, I, I can't live anymore, you know. It's like, no, you mm -hmm. just alter it to something else. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. some things are not meant to be. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And there's two facts that I wanted to uh, piggyback on that you talked about. Uh, one was the whole roses is red violets is blue because <laughs> my first poem like i still have it it's in a blue binder in my in my parents house you know but it was the roses is red violet is blue you know type 
feel no poem and it, it just like now as as my poetry has risen to other plateaus it's like it's cringe worthy for me to read that first one because i'm like this ooh, yeah i was <laughs> there oh yeah but you know what it was in your soul to mm -hmm. write it was in your soul to do poetry it's funny mm -hmm. how i find that our lives our soul wants to survive our soul wants to live so it, it gives us an outlet that we are attracted to mm -hmm. like since i came from a musical family i wanted to sing i, I took mm -hmm. a lot of my poetry and i made it into lyrics mm -hmm. um i recorded they did uh, bob casali from devo did my demo mm -hmm. uh, a while back mm -hmm. <laughs> a long time ago actually this was yeah. in the 80s <laughs> and yes. He, it was, you know, so I did that. I, I'm a better singer now than I was before because I listened to myself and I'm like, I wasn't really that good. <laughs> yeah. I could write lyrics and I could come up with music, but you know, it's like I really needed to polish my vocal cords. Mm. I'm better now, but now I don't, I, you know, I actually had what they call baked. You might know what it is to bake a, a two inch reel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that happened, and so they could di uh, then digitize it. So mm -hmm. they digitized it, and so the music's good. I I could just overlay the tracks. I could probably even do it from my house. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. And now, yo, what what you were saying about you know wanting to live and stuff, mm -hmm. it was kind of funny. Like what you was talking about suicide, because when I was sixteen. The same time that I wrote that Roses is Red, Violets is Blue, which was a week later after I tried to do my attempt. But poetry was my outlet that well, that was my outlet to, you know, say to myself, yo, keep writing. You have something to live for. You have something to live for. And for some reason, you know, God decided, hey, your first poem is going to be Roses is Red. Cause, and, you know, as as my, like I said, as my poetry, you know, started to blossom and stuff, I started thinking and started looking at that Roses is Red and looking at my poetry now. It, like, even back then, I had a feeling to talk about nature and, you know, what's around me. But I did not know how to form it up, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah. transform it the way I know how to do now. And, you know, so so even though it's cringeworthy for me to read it, you know, <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, yo, even back then, I was thinking about my elements around me, like the roses and the violets and the colors and the array of colors of life and stuff like that. And if I do this one thing, I won't be able to touch this or touch that or see this array of colors like how I'm seeing right now. And so I think in one of my poems, I you know went back to that Roses is Red and stuff. It was thinking about it in a, in a more deeper tone. You know what I'm saying? So yo even though your first poem might be roses is red 
hey, it's okay. It's all right. It's going to, you, you, you're going to make better ones. Okay. So, and you know, it's just, it's just like very nice to hear, you know, about poets and their first poem and stuff. Cause it, it's like, it's either that one or it's a Dr. Seuss type, you know, poem, you know, you know, what you're talking about green eggs and ham or something, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just awesome. My, my, my favorite rendition of Green Eggs and Ham was um, The Reverend. Mm -hmm. um, what? He's from, uh, he lived in Chicago. Jesse Jackson. Yeah, oh, Jesse Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> he did green, green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. He killed it, man. It was so good. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I, I actually remember when, when he did that. I was like, oh, really? So we doing green eggs and ham, huh? Okay, that's what we doing today. <laughs> His delivery was killer. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So as a poet and also y'all, ladies and gentlemen, she's also an author and stuff. And she has some books here that she would like to tell y'all about. So, hey, uh, so what books have you created and you know that you would like for the people to you know go shop and you know go look at and hey the floor is yours okay so well all my books are available on amazon mm -hmm. i'm looking to do more distribution in that but i honestly i've been lazy in formatting my books so mm -hmm. my first book is inspire me raw and mm -hmm. this one i wrote it it's my very first book I got it an editor um, because I knew that I was writing just from emotion mm -hmm. and I needed someone objectively to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I hired a, um, an editor and I just rehired another editor and my first two books in the mm -hmm. Inspire Me series were re-edited. But Inspire Me Raw is about raw emotion. It's, it was very difficult for me to publish because I said, as soon as I hit that publish button, everybody's going to know, like everybody really cares, but the people I know are going to know the real me, like mm -hmm. what I've gone through, my experiences. And mm -hmm. I was so vulnerable mm -hmm. with putting this book out that I said it was really hard for me. And the woman on Amazon was hit publish hit publish and i swear to you i've just got my finger over the button uh, over the enter button i'm like oh my god oh my god and, uh, so she goes hit because she's on the other side waiting for the manuscript to get there so she could review it yeah <laughs> so i finally hit publish and i go there it is you know i thought of using a pen name mm -hmm. because i didn't want people to know that it was me that went through this stuff you know mm -hmm. Uh, but then I said, you know, when am I ever going to face my demons if I don't just face them? Mm. So I published it under my birth name with my real name. Mm -hmm. And I, I was afraid that people were going to review it uh, badly. Mm. And it was the opposite. I had people writing to me saying, you know, I'm on the reviews and they go, I thought this book was right talking about me. Mm. You know, I thought I was alone in feeling this 
because in that book there is I was molested as a child so there's a poem in there called the little girl and then I also when I was a kid I witnessed this one woman who her husband would always beat her up so she would always go on to the hallway and cry and I it was like you know I would look at that and it's like and he he beat her up so much you know it was just it's like almost every day she was out there crying and she had a ton of kids. So um, I don't, I don't know whatever happened to them when we moved away. Cause we moved away when I was, I moved away. I actually moved out of Chicago and went to Florida to study fashion design. Mm. You know, didn't want to go to New York and I didn't want to stay in Chicago. I wanted to get out of, uh, I wanted to get out of Chicago. So I knew that my parents wouldn't fight me if I was going to get an education. Yeah. And, and first of all, you know, as a man, as a king and stuff, I'm sorry that all that stuff happened to you and stuff, because like, no child should ever have to go through that for one thing. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm so glad that you chose a route of poetry to, you know, let you know, let those emotions out because there's so many people out here that's went through something similar that's choosing to, you know, go a different direction instead of, you know, saying, you know what, instead of turning this into a bad thing, I'm going to turn this into something else. And yeah. I want to say thank you for doing that because you you even inspired me by telling me your story and stuff. I was like, you know what? Because, you know, I have a poetry book that's dedicated to my brother because he always wanted me to come out with my own poetry book when he was alive. He, he's been gone for 10 years now, but he always wanted me to come out with my own poetry book because he because he read some of my poems and stuff and I, in the back of my mind i was like this no man it this is too dark man this is too dark he said bro publish it just publish it trust me so literally on my hard drive on my external hard drive you know, on my computer i have that book and i was like uh, should I do it today? Should I? <laughs> I know. It's like, you know what? I had, when I went to my uh, editor, I didn't meet, I didn't meet her until, you know, we talked on the phone and I said, mm -hmm. let me go over. And, and she, I had sent her my work first to see if mm -hmm. she could work with me. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and I'm like outgoing and I'm like, how you see me. Right. And she goes, you are not at all what I expect. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, expected this yeah. dark, gloomy, you know, broken soul. I go, no, you know, and oh. I always find that things happen in life for a reason. Mm -hmm. I used to think it was things happen in life for a lesson. Mm -hmm. But as a child, what do you know about sexual abuse? You know, and I was lucky that my parents were the best parents ever. And it was never in the family that that happened. It was a stranger. Mm -hmm. Um but it, it was, you know, like, um, what was my point? Oh, so with my experience mm -hmm. is I feel is for me to tell other people that you're okay, 
that you mm -hmm. can come overcome this because with that comes a lot of shame and value. So mm -hmm. I had the shame. I still value myself and what, you know, some, some women think, well, I don't have any value. So it doesn't matter who I sleep with or what I do. Yeah. And then with me, it was the opposite is like, I have value and no one's ever going to do this to me again. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was this kid. I was like four years old. What does a four year old know? Man. You know? Um, so uh, that's the poem, the little girl. I don't read it cause it's kind of like too much for me, Yeah, but yeah. I could read the poem about the neighbor woman. Oh, okay. And okay. okay. Yeah, I, I I wrote this at a writing class. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the girls there was like almost in tears because she goes, "I was I I had a bad relationship. I was abused." And she goes, "And you hit it right on the head." And I did not experience it. I just I'm empathic, so I can feel mm -hmm. what another person feels. Mm -hmm. So it was just really hard for me to see. And before, this and before you get started, because I'm about to give you the whole floor and stuff, I just want to okay. say one thing real quickly. Uh, welcome to the Poetry Corner, y'all. And here's Miss Sonia Loisanda right here on the Tea Corner, y'all. <laughs> this one's called Forget. Sometimes I can't remember often, actually. The times I ran out and said nothing to you. The times I was angry and pretended to be okay. The times I didn't come home at night. Sometimes I can't remember often actually. When your anger lashes out at me. When you drank too often and hurt me. When you disappeared into the aberrant abyss of time. Sometimes I do remember, often actually, your cruel words that hurt, your desire to touch that repulses, your anger at who you've become. I remember and choose to forget. Do you love as those you love are hurt? Do you know the emergency room, a second home, do you understand the inner scars show more than the ones I wear? Sometimes I can't remember often actually the raising of happy children here, the life we thought was possible, the comfort of a safe, loving home. Sometimes I can't remember often actually how reality needs exposure, how I've always remembered how the lights slowly dim on you wow i mean wow that i mean where would i even start like like you 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 talk about the emergency room how it fixed like the your your the loved ones and how it affects around. I mean, so so like let's break this down for a minute. Like okay. where, like tell the audience exactly what like where where you was at when you wrote this because it's so much that you put into this little poem that I'm like, 
I'm, I'm in the no. back of this, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened when I was, I took, I got operated on my foot. Mm-hmm. And when I got operated on the foot, everybody said, oh, routine and not a big deal. I'm like, okay. So, you know, yeah, it's not a big deal. But I got really sick off of that. And I didn't return to work. And while I was out, you know, I went on disability for, for the surgery. But mm-hmm. while I was out, all these stories started bubbling up. Like everything started coming to the surface because I had a chance to not have to work. Mm-hmm. Like I was like a workaholic. I was always working, working, working. I didn't have a chance no. to really n- know my own feelings. And when I actually rested, cause I couldn't drive, I couldn't do anything cause I couldn't, mm-hmm. my foot, um, all the poems and the stories started coming back to me. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing it down and it was like an overflow. I would start in the morning and at 10 o'clock, I'm still writing poetry. So it's like I was taking 12 hours to just write, write, write. I would stop to eat and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And this whole book came out out of that, mm-hmm. out of that period. Um, and actually the first two books, <clears throat> excuse me, the first two books were actually supposed to be one, mm-hmm. but the emotional raw was um, needed to come out and perceptions. It's all about our perceptions. So mm-hmm. it was like two different books. So that's why I separated them. Um, mm-hmm. But the raw that and I and I just for some reason, a lot of my poetry comes from dreams and meditation, like I'll meditate and then the stuff comes up. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, that's something else I have to deal with. But that's how I get my stories. In fact, my mm-hmm. book, Follow Akasha Dreaming Through Time, was all from dreams. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Inspire Me, which the feelings are raw, and there's the, mm-hmm. you know, the little girl. And the I could tell you about the little girl. The little girl was written from the viewpoint of the child. Mm-hmm. Because you read about stuff like this, but you never hear it from the viewpoint of the child. And the child doesn't understand what's going on. They only understand it by how their parents react. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. and it is available on my website on my podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm all congested. Um, uh, the, the little that one I read because it's mm-hmm. kind of a long one, too. Yeah. But going back to forget. It was just I just started seeing her. I started seeing her in the hallway. I used to see her crying. He beat her up when she was pregnant. I mean, it's just like that's wrong. That's wrong. Why would you? I, I, you know, and I, the one thing it taught me is like, no one is ever going to treat me that way. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Oh, man. And, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and she even once told me, she goes, What are you staring at? And I'm like, I didn't even realize I was staying. I was more in shock, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, but it was really sad to see. Yeah, and you know what's so sad is her response to you. Like, what are you looking at? That means she's used to this. She's she's she just got used to it. And no woman, child, or even if it's happening to a guy, you know, because guys they don't even tell about, you know, their domestic violence and stuff because 
we the guys, you know, nine times out of 10, the world sees us as the one that's doing it and stuff. And, but it can be the opposite way around, you know what oh, I'm saying? I've seen women like that where it's like, I, I know someone that I would never, I mean, they're not abusive that way. They're abusive verbally. Mm -hmm. And I said, I would never introduce any guy I know to you. Mm -hmm. Never. <laughs> yeah. Because I know what they're like. I wouldn't do that to anybody. You know, I, I, I have a lot of guy friends, so I'm very protective of men. Mm -hmm. um, even though everything like this has happened to me, I'm still, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I have I'm very protective of my male friends. And yeah. there, I just wouldn't, you know, yeah. there are bad people in any, any culture, any sex, yeah. any, exactly. any color, any, anything. There, yeah. There's good and bad people. Yes, it, it don't matter about your race or your creed. You know, you're going to have mm -hmm. the good. If you have the good, you best believe you're going to have the bad. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it's just like how, 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 how they say in the Chinese culture is the yin and the yang. Yeah. For, for one thing to exist, there has to be another so so that the world would know what's going on and stuff, you know. It's an equal right. balance. And sadly to say, you know, for every good, there's a bad. And yeah, <laughs> and that that's a good segue into my second book, which is just perception. Mm -hmm. How we perceive things. I mean, you know, like one of the oldest examples I have is I love wolves. To mm -hmm. me, they're family, they're oh, yeah. protective. They they only kill to eat. They don't kill for any other reason unless they think mm -hmm. they're endangered. Mm -hmm. But I love wolves. Other people mm -hmm. think of wolves as being like the big bad wolf. You know, big no, fish. they're not. I no. think they're very honorable creatures. Mm -hmm. So how we look at things is, you know, is our perception. Mm -hmm. You know, it, oh, it's all the way we look at it. Like someone pissed me off. You know, I'll just say they yeah. pissed me off. I'm not going to say what they did, but they they actually the reality is, is that they hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's why they pissed me off because I pissed me off because I'm like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. How dare you even go there that you think that you can go there? Yeah. And yeah. then I started, you know, but I always keep my mouth quiet till I have to mm -hmm. think about it because I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, OK, what part did I have to do in this? Mm hmm. You know, so if I, I have some responsibility for what happened, I have some responsibility on how I act. Yeah, I could be pissed off, but did I attract that? Mm -hmm. Is this a lesson I'm supposed to learn? Or is this something that I should look at myself and, you know, say, okay, now I know I don't, I don't want people like this in my life anymore. So it's mm -hmm. really how we perceive everything, yeah. you know, um, and so I had to take some responsibility. When I saw why it really upset me, then I said, okay, the relationship is changed. I don't mm -hmm. have any animosity with them. And I'll still say hello. And so, but the degree of how close we were is gone. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. it, it wasn't, it, it didn't match well. And so even though I was upset, I did have something to do with it myself. I have to take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. But was it a deal breaker? Pretty much a deal breaker in the terms of having a strong relationship. We still have a relationship, but it's not a strong relationship anymore. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
Yeah, it was something that you know you don't blow people's trust and think that that's gonna be yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I never did believe in that. And and there's some family members I do not talk with because, you know, I always had this saying: if I cannot trust you, if I cannot depend on you, then there's no reason for me to talk with you. You know what I'm saying? Because. Yeah. You know, in my life, you know, everybody I can trust. But if I lose that trust in you. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, yeah. no, it's, it's absolutely I true. I get what you I have. From. Yeah, I have a belief that we are born to the family that we are because that is our biggest karmic lesson to learn. So we can accept that the family is the biggest karmic lesson we have to learn. Then it's like, ah, I get it. Now I know what my lesson is. How can I work with this lesson? Because, and you know, family can have the biggest hold on you too. It could be the most toxic relationship, but you hold on to it because you're blood. No. Yeah. They to me are your karmic lesson. So you learn the karmic lesson and then you could guys can hang out or not, whatever you want to do. But if you learn it, that this is why you came into this incarnation for it, mm -hmm. then, yeah. you know, it makes it easier to deal with, I think. Exactly. 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 And, and, and that's when you was talking, when you was saying that I was like, Ooh, Ooh, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> and then even with the wolf, you know, I'm like, yo, there's another animal that I that I actually do love, but people think it's vicious. It's there's a couple of animals that I love that people say is vicious and stuff like that. I got the lion, I got mm -hmm. the jaguar, I got the wolf, but there's also another animal that I love that's even part of the prehistoric era, you know, the alligator. Mm -hmm. Anybody else, it's like, oh, it's this vicious thing with teeth. You know, if you step in the water, it will eat you. Well, you in this element, you know what I mean? And if yeah. you if you provoke it, it will come after you. And also, if you're around its children, it will come after you. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that's like that. That's like to me, like yo, it's like for example, if somebody came after your children, what would you do? And that's how I explained it to somebody. I said, an alligator is just like us. It cares about its loved ones. It cares about, you know seeing it grow and you know live on and be like like how it is right now you know and it will protect it yeah but you know some people will be like this oh no it's a vicious animal it gotta die like, <laughs> and what people i don't think i understand the only time an animal becomes vicious is when they're hungry exactly. they, they're out to hunt they're out yeah. to we we just have it. We're, we're just as guilty. We kill cows and pigs and everything to eat, duh, except it's harmed. 
I'm glad you know, I wish I could be a vegetarian because honestly, when I think about it, I don't want to eat any of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I actually went in New. Uh, I went to Louisiana and I took mm-hmm. um, uh, one of those trips in the swamps to see the alligators. Yeah. Yeah, they the love marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they and they go and all you can see is their eyes above the thing and then you you know he goes throw them a marshmallow and they throw them the marshmallow and then it, one of them just looked at us like I don't feel like eating <laughs> that look on his eyes yeah. was just like please, <laughs> you know. And then I I have a picture of a little one jumping up. And to, to get a marshmallow that's on a stick, we obviously we're not mm. going to use our hands. Yeah. Um, but what happens is they do train. They do tell you that it, you do not leave your pets outside at night mm-hmm. because they'll hunt and they'll come and yeah. eat your pet. You bring oh, all yeah. your pets in. here too. I live in mm-hmm. LA, but I live mm-hmm. in the hills, mm-hmm. and we have coyotes. You do oh, not yeah. leave your pets out at night. You bring your oh, cats yeah. in. You bring your dogs in because. There's the scouts that go out to find it, and then they can travel in packs, and the rest yeah. of them come. So, um, yeah. we also have to bring our pets in in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And here in here where I'm at in the Dallas area, most people don't even know the Dallas Fort Worth area has coyotes too. We have coyotes, oh. foxes. So yeah, leave your your pet out if you want to. <laughs> if you want to have them be buffet for uh, one of these other yeah. animals, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like I grew up knowing, like, okay, if I ever have a pet, don't leave it out. Especially if you don't have a fence that's about yay high, you know, where you know for a fact that nothing could get in, you know. But or they get out, you know. Sometimes oh, yeah. the pets jump over the fence. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want them outside, and alligators are known to go under fences, so you don't want to have mm-hmm. them outside. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so is there uh, any, is there any um, poems you want to read out? Yeah, of? Yeah, um, since we were talking about perception, I mm-hmm. thought I'd read one. Oh, going back just quickly to my "Inspire Me Raw." Mm-hmm. When she read it, she goes, "This is so dark. Do you have anything funny?" And so now I know. In every book, I put some funny stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have always been battling weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me see if I find it. Oh, it's called Go-Go Boots because I'm quite a bit older than you. And um, oh, you can't see it. But yeah. I could never zip up the zipper on the Go-Go Boots because my legs were too fat. <laughs> yes. So I could read... Um, uh, it says, call go-go boots. At 10, made a mistake, told my teacher, want to lose weight. First diet included, liver once a week, yuck. Different recipe, so nasty, that's not what I seek. Stood in line for a free lunch menu, peanut butter cookies. My favorite munchies, I want one, damn. Hide one for me, please. When teacher's not looking, don't want to get teased for falling off program on the first day. My mom states, you're only 10. No matter, um, no reason for a diet. Want to be model thin, groovy clothes, buy a go-go boot styling trend. Chubby clothes too short, regular pants too long. Big kid bell bottoms reach calf. Average size bells at ankle. Other smoke bongs, skunk weed smell. Permeates halls, high don't tell. Jail bait in 68. 
What to do with weight? Insecurities begin, entire life, same shit, wasted time, and now I'm fine. Yo, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like how you pretty much in that poem, you know, describe what was going on in 1968 at in that yep. time. Because, uh, you know, you, you don't get that too many, too often and stuff. And I just like how you put that all into perspective and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, also, I like how you talked about, you know, your gym teacher and stuff, because you, you brought it down to a realistic, you know, uh, area and stuff. And so it was both funny, but yet entertaining, but also showing that the same problems that we go through today what's going on back then. Yeah, and I was oh, 10. Yeah. My mom was like, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, 10, you shouldn't be on a diet. She's like, what are you about um, being on a diet? You're 10. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kids nowadays that's going through that same thing. Like, Because yo, you get teased my... by the other kids. You know, mm -hmm. kids are not the kindest people. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. There's one poem, oh, I was going to read silhouette but that's really too long i'll, I'll find something else okay. um i find another one that's popular out of this book okay okay um oh i have a rant <laughs> <laughs> it's hey. called my day and look at this okay. pissed off cat <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I found the best picture. I was like, oh my God. It's like that that is me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and yet yes, I'm indeed. I'm an inside timer uh meditation teacher. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, but anyway, this is called my day. Okay. Alarm blasts me out of bed. Jump up quick, stumble on slippers, purged into closet, hangers break, upstairs neighbor stomps. Stop noise, pissed. Like it's like if unnecessary, like if unnecessary dive into clothes abyss wasn't enough. There's a complaint. Bite me comes to mind. Falling was not on my to-do list. Coffee lid not screwed tight. Counters bathe in desired brew. Wipe quick before seeps into laminated floor. Not waterproof pissed slow down smell the roses sure now stuck with thorns luring park meadows morning walk sprinkles are you freaking kidding me bruised knees from 10 year old desk continued hits and still don't learn what does it take out of touch dense pissed watch tv resting friday night smoke detector goes off Pull from wall, but it still rings. Getting back, get battery, plug back in, rings even louder. Pissed. Going to bed early, use sleep aids, stare at ugly popcorn ceiling, building lights beam on face. Cover face with pillow. Pissed. Alarm blasts me out of bed. Jump up quick, didn't stumble, hangers didn't break. Quiet and peaceful new day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, some of them things you named that I went through, I'm like, yeah, I was pissed too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and it's like, it, and it just continues. It's like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. If it's one thing, but it has to be, now granted, this was over like two days. It wasn't like all in mm-hmm. one day, but I put it, I wrote it all in one day. Yes. And, yes. you know, it, it was, mm-hmm. it's being, I like, I like one line that you said. You said, stop, smell the roses. Now you stuck with thorns. Piss. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that happened to me too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, and then you feel like, how dumb am I that I keep doing the same shit over and over again? Yeah, you know, it's like... exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I I loved it. You know, on the on the flip side of it, it was very entertaining, and it actually has you laughing. But you be thinking about it. On, on a personal end, like, yo, that really did happen to me, too. Yeah, I was kind of pissed. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, when you tell it, it's funny, but it wasn't funny then. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't funny then. It wasn't funny then, but, you know, when you look back at it, you start laughing even at your own experiences. When I, yo, yo, that was a little bit funny, but it wasn't funny when it happened. It was kind of painful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, and it's just like your whole day you're like off. Like something happens, but your response time is off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, you know, you hit your toe and then I, you don't say anything, but then in a minute you're like, ah. Especially if you hit that pinky toe on the side of the wall. Oh yes. my god. <laughs> yes. uh, oh, and you wonder it's like really I couldn't see a freaking wall in front of me. one time i was going my apartment is kind of dark so and i have like those blackout shades and you know curtains and everything because i can't sleep with the building light coming in Mm -hmm. so i uh (laughs) i didn't realize i turned off all the lights in the living room and i was walking to my bedroom i didn't realize i closed the door (laughs) bam i walked right into the door And I didn't even get pissed. I just started laughing because I go, oh, my God, how dumb can I be? I just walked into my own damn door. Hey, mm, hey, don't worry. I, I've been guilty of that, too. <laughs> Especially when all the lights is off and you can't yeah. see nothing. You, you just run into boxes that you forgot that was in the middle of the hallway. That happened yeah. to me a couple of days ago. When I go to bed, I make sure there's nothing in the way. Doesn't have to go, you know, you have to get up in the middle of the night, you know, everything is like out of the way so you don't trip over it because that's all you need to fall. And then your neighbors, you wake them up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Do you want me to read one more out of this? Oh, sure, you can. You can. And then after that, we'll go ahead and, you know, do do a thing that I call the credentials where you could tell people where they can, like, um, Reach me and stuff. Works and stuff, or like your Instagram, Facebook, if you are part of that and stuff like that, you know. So hey, we could do one more, and you know, we'd be good. Okay. This one is called No. You know how we have a lot of anger. I'm gonna do a little story where we have a lot of anger, and so it's called No. K N O W. Chasing anger and cornered it. A fearful, sad beast faces me as I approach and see terror in its eyes. 
I held their hand and anger's calm. I'm sorry I enslaved you for so long, holding you in my rigid heart. You were banging on the walls trying to escape, but I blamed you. I'm sorry. I thought you were hurting me, and yet you were just trying to escape, trying to gear me in destiny's vision, to let me be, and I resisted, lacking knowledge of your truths, and now I know. Here you stand before me, afraid as a child who created you, choking the past without comfort. I hold, you ha I hold your hand and liberate you. My sorrow is great. As life's whispers confess, I love you and let you go. Embracing you tight, releasing with love. Thank you, fear. Mm. So, yes, please elaborate on that one. <laughs> um, what happened was, you know, we, <clears throat> sorry, we're, we, we have fears within us. Mm -hmm. And then we keep blaming that our anger or we keep blaming something, you know. Mm -hmm. But yet at many times we go through difficult times in our lives because we need to learn to get over that. Mm -hmm. So if something that's like what I mentioned earlier, you know, they upset me, but why did they upset me? Mm -hmm. Was it my own? It was my own insecurities. So yeah, I had to deal with that. It was my own perception. But this one is anger and fear. Why am I fearful? Why do I want to hold on to that fear? You know, we hold on to fear and shame like it's a badge of honor. It is not. It mm -hmm. is something that we needed to learn to let go of. And so if we embrace our fear, if we embrace our shame, if we embrace it, and that means by talking about it, by mm. acknowledging it, because the more you suppress a feeling, the bigger it's going to explode Amen. when it comes out. So that is why I, I was feeling a little angry and fearful. And I realized that my anger was because of fear. Mm -hmm. And I had a you know, say, it's okay. I'm human. I'm, I could only do so much. I could only change so much. So I embrace that fear and I talk about it. And my poetry books are a lot of me embracing what I have, what I feel like I need to go through. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what it was. It's to know. So that's why it's K-N-O-W. Mm. Hey, that was a deep one right there. That, that's how you ended off right there. But you know, <laughs> before we ended all the way completely, um, this is a segment called the credential. So tell tell the people where they could like, get your books and you know show them the books again so they can't say that they've never seen it and stuff. They okay. Don't know it, right. <laughs> but you know. Let me um it and ignore the. This is the one I used to read from because I mark it up, but this is not for resale. Ignore that. That is not on your copy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. this one is Inspire Me Perception, mm -hmm. and that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And that is the one that deals with, uh, that's the poem No came from, and mm -hmm. it just talks about our perceptions and how we view things. So that's mm -hmm. why it's called Perception. Um, inspire me perception and the first book in the inspire me series was raw mm. and 
it's I love this cover because it was like an aha moment because she's lighting the she's turning on the light because mm -hmm. she was in the dark for so long and now she's turning the light and it was that's how I felt when I wrote raw because I was finally letting go uh, of the darkness and wanting to see the light mm -hmm. and then my third uh, my other book is Akashic follow Akashic dreaming through time again there has that label but this is the book mm -hmm. and this I wrote from dreams this whole book is on dreams and each poem stands on its own but it's creating a story and the last poem brings it all together Yes, indeed. so I could I could read one quick one out of there because they're all short. Okay, cool. Want. Hey, look, hey, this stuff, this this is where poetry and culture meet. So hey, I hey. thought of reading one because my heritage is Puerto Rican. Okay, and there's been so much stuff that is like you know like they don't want to teach it in school about what mm -hmm. happened in Puerto Rico in the 1950s and stuff. Mm -hmm. This kind of deals with. An entire history of it. Uh -huh. it says an island's rich port, Borinquen, woman's home in the 1950s, travels to Washington for nationalistic ideas, young and fighting for freedom. The unrepresenting house ignoring the years of people's cries, Vieques, bombings where citizens live, Hurricane Maria's cruelty, time of food and water scarcity. Death and suffering, did you see? Were you listening? Angry, I followed. Nice. Nice. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank and, you. Um, hey, can, can you tell, 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 like, where were you mentally when you wrote that? Um, most of my dreams came from most of this, this book, follow Akasha dreams through time literally came from dreams. Oh, yeah. Like it would be really weird. Like this one, I just saw Puerto Rico in a bombing and I'm like, okay, well that must be Vieques. Vieques, check this out. The U S had a military base. They were actually bombing half that Island while people who were living on the other half. And mm -hmm. we're not talking big islands. They were using it as bomb practice where people live so that finally stopped i think i forget what year it stopped it wasn't that long mm -hmm. ago that it stopped mm -hmm. and uh traveling the unrepresenting house is a house of representatives mm. because and i don't condone what they did they went into the house of representatives and they they thought they were going to die they were trying to stop the things happening in puerto rico you mm -hmm. know, what people don't know is that there's a lot of strip mining that was happening. And strip mining is where you dig so deep into the ground and you turn it over, you can't plant on it. Mm -hmm. So, there, you know, and I'm just touching on a couple of things, you know, then what happened with Hurricane Maria and the paper towels. And it's just and people don't know this history. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows this history. And mm -hmm. so. Uh, I brought it in, and the original name of Puerto Rico is Borinque, Boricua, mm -hmm. and I'm considered a Boricua. Yeah. Know? So, um, that, um, but yeah, so it's, there's a lot that's happening there. I have mixed feelings on certain things, you know, there, I, I don't believe in violence, but sometimes violence gets their attention, and unfortunately, you know, 
sometimes has to go there. I don't know. I don't approve of violence ever, though. Yes, um, yes, indeed. But that's that's about Puerto Rico. Yes, indeed. And I'm thankful that you shared that with us about the history of Puerto Rico. That let's be honest, there's a whole lot of history that in the U.S. they're not teaching in the school. No, they don't want you to know. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they, like we have to go to different sources and like the kids that's in school, they, they not teaching them this, and it's kind of bad. It's kind of hurtful in some instance. Like what's going on in Puerto Rico? What's like, like, and also in in the African American community, they not telling kids like, hey, guess what? Y'all did so much for this country that we have a whole list of things that y'all created. Mm-hmm. We only gonna tell you this much. <laughs> yeah, and you have to go like um, I I don't know of anywhere that has Puerto Rican studies, but you know, mm-hmm. it's part of the U.S. to begin with. Yeah, yeah. But there, when in, in college is when you get um, African American studies. That's mm-hmm. when you get Chicano studies. That's when you get mm-hmm. all these other studies that nobody ever knew about. But you have to wait to get yeah. to get in college. Like I was working at the mm-hmm. uh, African American Center at UCLA, mm-hmm. and so you know they they archive and they have you know students that write papers and stuff. And so I was helping in the office, and I was looking at this, and I didn't know half this stuff. I knew some of it, but it really mm-hmm. pissed me off. And I turned to my friend who was also working there and she's Mm African-American and I go, I'm really pissed about this. She Mm -hmm. goes, yeah, you can't let it overwhelm you. You just have Mm -hmm. to have it be part of the history and that we can change the future. Exactly. And she's right. But I, you know, it's like, it doesn't even affect, but it's just pissed me off. (laughs) Look, How could people just, I, you know, I, I stopped watching true crime because I always kept saying, I can't believe people do this to each other. I mm-hmm. can't believe they do, but it's just, I stopped looking at it. It was too hard for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And and this this another thing that I wish that they would do in schools and stuff. They want to talk about American history. Okay. Um, Puerto Rico. American history, African Americans, American history, you know, mm-hmm. Chicanos, American history. If it they was pre American, actually, yeah, pre American, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, we're the uh, Native Americans. Why, exactly. why do you have to learn about your culture in college? It's just, I, you know, like for me, for me, it was like we was always taught about the Native Americans that's in America. But we didn't learn. I, I didn't learn about the Native Americans that was pushed down into Mexico until I was in college. I was like, "Huh, what?" So, mm-hmm. so we got we got Chicanos as related to us. And my teacher was like, "This, yeah. If you have if you have this Native American blood, you related to over here in Mexico." Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, um, in Puerto Rico, the the Tiano, T I A T I T A I and O were the native Indians, mm-hmm. uh, or native uh, culture. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to mm -hmm. say Indians because that's really India. Yeah. And um, but we have they thought that they were a kind of extinct group, mm -hmm. but they started doing a lot of DNA tests on uh, current Puerto Ricans, and mm -hmm. that blood is still very strong within that. Yes, you indeed. know. Um, yeah. So um, sorry I diverted because I read yeah. another poem. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we were supposed to be closing this off, but you know, yeah. you and I can talk forever. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We can. We can. We can. And yeah. uh, if you want to, you can share it, or because I I know for a fact that I would love to have you back on on another podcast episode. Cause oh, I love it. Yes, indeed. There's so much we could talk about. Cause I'm like, yo, there's so much about poetry and about you know the way the world has always been perceived that we talked about it when I was on your on your podcast like we are in the midst of a renaissance mm -hmm. and people are actually sitting down and listening to us now they're not just putting us to the side and like oh no that's that poetry stuff uh, you know, you know, be like <laughs> falling asleep. No, they actually sitting down listening to us because everything that you know, people like Maya Angelou, you know, Langston Hughes, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, all these great, you know, poets was saying in the past are now coming to our eyesight. We've seen it for ourselves, and and we starting to notice that more poets are speaking about life and what's to come because we can see it visually with our eyes, mm -hmm. you know, like and we're and, living it. Yeah, and we living in it, and we are able to write it out where it's understandable to the masses. So yes, we are in the middle of a Renaissance and. I'm telling all my poets tonight, yo, it's time. Hey, here's the platform. We we going out here, baby. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? If we're, and, and education is changing. Mm -hmm. We no longer, neither do we have to wait for a publisher to be interested in us. Mm -hmm. There are so many different exactly. voices that need to be heard. So having our own platform, you know, um, I'm actually, I write sci-fi too. Mm -hmm. That I would like a publisher for. Yeah. <laughs> but my poetry, I want to be able to say what I want when I want. I'll get it exactly. edited. It'll be good. But um, yeah, so that's where that's where poetry is. I mean, and I'm glad that uh, President Biden had Amanda Gorman mm -hmm. read. That opened a lot of doors mm -hmm. for poets. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, yes. Yes, and, uh, and so it was good to have that because now more of the general public saw it. Where before you would have to go to poetry readings or poetry slams yeah. or anything like that to be heard. And mm -hmm. that is not international, you know, yeah. that mm -hmm. one poem she did, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, you go. I mean, I was watching this and I could have I watched that her give that delivery three times. I yeah. saw it in the inauguration and then I mm -hmm. saw it on clips. It mm -hmm. was just I was like, wow. I mean. She's incredible and, for her age. She was talking to each and every single one of us. She didn't just right. was talking to her people. She was talking to the Chicanos. She was talking to 
the whites, the the Asians, the Indian, the Indians from India and stuff, you know, the Native Americans. She was talking to all of us at the same yeah. time in that poem. And it was so hopeful. Yeah, I think that's what woke everybody's eyes up. Like, yo, what what is this? And everybody that's a poet was like this, yo, this is what we've been trying to tell y'all for years. <laughs> Hey, you know, the last time poetry was so popular was in the 50s with the yeah. beatniks. And they would do the, the percussion. Yeah. Which I relate that to slam, um, mm -hmm. poetry slams. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, the only thing, I, I love poetry slams, but it the beat has got to get a little different. It's yeah. always the same beat. Oh, yeah. It's know? always the same. And, you know. Yeah. And then that's the only thing that ha I, I'm like, okay, I've seen five of these with the same beat. I'm like done, even though someone else could come and do an incredible job. Yeah. It's like that. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll go back to the beatnik, even though it's before my time, and just bring yeah. a, a conga, conga player. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Or a bongo player is what they use. But, um, yeah, you know, I want to thank you for mm -hmm. being so kind and having me on your show and letting yes. me read my poetry. Um, mm -hmm. And it, uh, like you said earlier, if people want to reach me, you can go to my website, which is poeticresurrection.com. Mm -hmm. um, there you get links to go to my podcast and if you want to get in contact with me, you go through Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I stopped doing my website with emails because I would get spammed mm -hmm. <laughs> like crazy. So I don't, I go through mm -hmm. Facebook. So if people want to reach me, that's also poeticresurrection.com. My name is, I mean, Facebook Poetic Resurrection. Mm -hmm. And I'm on uh, Instagram, which is at Poetic Sonia. And you could get all my links from my website. Everything's okay. there. Uh, you just go to poeticresurrection.com. My books are all available on Amazon. You could get um, the ebook or you can get the paperbacks. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And once again, I want to say you are welcome back anytime. Yes, indeed. And until next time, I'm CEO Spoken King. Sign off, one love, one dream, and we out, y'all. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Peace, love, blessings, y'all. What up, y'all? It's that time. My favorite segment of the show. Y'all already know I am a poet by heart. So, with no further ado, here's another exclusive poem by Mr. C.E.O. Spoken King. Right here on the T-Corner. Brought to you by T-Line Beats Production. Here we go, y'all. A King Stance by CEO Spoken King. Hello, I am a king living the dream. This is my reality. My name, 
my name. My name and CEO spoken king. I was risen from prayers and spoken dreams. I'm living out my destiny because I'm thanking the Lord for everything. I have to keep on moving every day, leaving behind my hatred ways. I'm dedicated to my craft and not the fame. That's why kings like me gotta walk a different way. Every day we have to pray because this world hates royalty anyway. Instead of wishing joy, they all they want is heartache and pain for this poetic man. But my will will not give in to its fame. So kings and queens rise every day. What up everybody? How y'all doing, man? Thank y'all for tuning in to today's episode. Yes, and like I like to end all my episodes. I want to wish y'all peace, love, blessings to y'all happy homes. And until next time, this is CEO Smoking King signing out. But but I want to leave y'all with this. If you keep on asking for more, more will come. And if you believe that you are worth more, more will show. If you believe that you can do more, more will arrive and guess what baby that is an upgrade to what you used to be and today i want to send this beautiful message to everybody that's going through mental um depression like i don't care whatever you're going through in life remember one thing you are beautiful you are worthy and you are worth it until next time y'all this is ceo spoken king signing out one love one dream let's go let's all reach our goals in 2022 2021 2023 let's do it and you know what i can't even leave this i can't even leave this podcast without a salute so peace love blessings y'all ceo spoken king out